every song, praise team, that you helped us. And let me say something about that. It is awkward to applaud uh, after a song because it's almost like we don't know if we should do that, if it's a performance or not. So you're just like my church. You're just like my church. About three or four applaud and the others feel awkward. They don't know if they should. Hey, we're not, a, we're not giving them an applause like a performance. We're saying... God, what we just sang is so true. And we, Adrian Rogers used to say the applause is kind of like saying amen. I agree. And, and so I hope, I hope we can just let you guys know how much we appreciate it. But, but every song calls me to come to the place. And some of you are familiar with Henry Blackaby and his writing. And Henry Blackaby and experiencing God talked about... On our journey where we come to a crisis of belief. On our journey where we come to a place where uh, just a few, uh, where the water hits the wheel, if you would. Where it really comes down to it. Where we decide if we're just, Amy, if we're just singing the songs. Or if we really mean what we're saying. Well, during the last 30 minutes, I realized something. Had not thought about it. Until I was in the presence of the Lord. But within the last 45 minutes. My church in Alabama. And this is not a joke. So don't think. I don't know if I should laugh or not. Well they've had a special business meeting at my church. Within the last 45 minutes. To elect a pastor search committee. To replace the senior pastor. And I'm the senior pastor. Uh, look, yes, I look, y'all look, I'm free, I'm free. And you say, that's awkward, that's weird. Did you, did you get fired or, or what's going on? No, I, I came to a crisis of belief where some of you may be. I, I was so comfortable and so content. And all of a sudden, I began to realize I'm 53 years old. And if you think about it in football terminology, I'm, I'm kind of beginning the fourth quarter. And I don't want to coast. I don't want to lay back and get spiritually fat. I want to practice what one of the songs that we sang said, I lay it down. I, I lay me down. I'm, I'm not my own. I, I give everything. And then one of them, I think after that, said, um, the Lord giveth and the, the Lord taketh away. And, and so I am at the most exciting stage of my journey. I'm not depressed. I'm not scared. I, I'm very, very convinced that the God that I worship, the God that I preach, the God that I work, walk with is more than able, and He's more than able in your life as well. Well, I asked Roy to find me a, a little football because when you think about a, Alabama, some some of you may think about, I'm an Auburn fan, but some of you think about Alabama football. My mother-in-law is watching right now, and I was, I was pulling for Tennessee yesterday. She's a die-hard Alabama fan. I just love to make her mad. Uh, but, but Alabama 
Alabama or, or football uh, has not always been the excitement that some people live for. As a matter of fact, in, in 1905, when, when Pastor Scott played football, in 1905, here's, here's what a football game looked like. A football game was so boring. You, you, could do, you could only do two things. Number one, you could kick the ball or you could hand the ball off. 1905. And so, and you can Google this if you get bored during my sermon, uh, they had what was called a flying wedge. It was a seven-man V formation, and every single play, they would do the same thing. They would line up in the V formation, and they would take the football, no surprises, no need for a huddle. They would take the football and they would hand the football off. And normally they would go two or three yards. And then in the cloud of dust, uh, the play was over. It was bruising. It was boring. And it was the same old, same old every single play. But in 1906, something happened. In 1906, the Rules Committee, committee met for universities. And they decided that for the first time in football history, all the universities would have the option to implement the forward pass. Now, for the first time in history, teams could drop back and take the football and throw the football down the field. Well, the new rule was presented to all university coaches. And what happened next is what I want you to think about. What happened next is all the coaches given the same opportunity. All the coaches, given the same plan, scratched their head, probably crossed their arms, and all but one coach, all but one coach in all the universities said, well, we're going to stick with the flying wedge. We've been running the flying wedge all of these years, and we're going to stick with it. But you know what? There was one coach from the University of St. Louis. The University of St. Louis coach probably scratched his head. The University of St. Louis coach probably crossed his arms. And he probably thought, when he heard it the first time, this is a crazy idea. But he called his coaching staff together, and he told his coaching staff, we're going to do this. He worked with his coaching staff first. And then, when his coaching staff had it, he brought it to the team. And when the team started practicing, let me tell you something. I wasn't there, of course. But let me tell you that I've been pastoring long enough to know this. They failed. When the coaching staff brought it to the team, they failed many, many times. 
But guess what they did? They learned and they practiced. They practiced and they learned. And the first game of the season rolled around. And let me tell you what happened. For the first time in football history, 1906, the University of St. Louis lined up. And the University of St. Louis dropped back. <laughs> and I would have loved to have been there. For the first time in football history, the opposing team stood there with their jaw dropped as the football went flying over their head. Not once, but over and over and over again. That season, the University of St. Louis went undefeated, and it blew everybody away. Now, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the most traditional, conservative preacher that you will ever meet. I love what we sang this morning. I love the guitars. I love the drums. I, I, I love... A contemporary worship, but deep inside, I am a flying wedge guy. I am. I'm just an old, I love old hymns. Uh, I, Bart Miller came on. I drove by your church this morning I, because Bart Miller came on and he was singing the old rugged cross right when I drove and some of you guys younger don't even know may not even know that old hymn but I couldn't stop because I was singing the old rugged cross but you listen to me even though like you I have my preferences even though like you I have different things I like more than other things I am sick and tired of the world. I am sick and tired of the devil passing the ball over our heads, the church. I'm tired of watching the enemy snatch our children and our grandchildren. And so this morning, I share with you a message from 1 Corinthians. And this is the first service. What time do I need to stop? 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Y'all got to listen quicker. Verse 19, all right? Here is what the Bible says. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 19. For though I am free from all men. I believe that was one of the songs we sang about being free. For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all. Why? Why am I willing to give up my freedom? Why am I willing to give up my preferences? Why am I willing to get out of my comfort zone? Hey, look, why, when I've got a good salary, I've got pastured land that the church owns where my cows and horses are able to stay free, why, when I live in a nice brick home and all the bills are paid, why on earth do you... Do you resign and walk away? For though I be free from all men, 
I become a servant to all. Why? So that by all means some might be saved. Let me read it again from New King James. For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win the more. Do you know what? And thank you for being an incredible listener. I'm willing to do whatever it takes to win one more person to Jesus. I'm willing to do whatever it takes to win one more to Christ. I think it was fifth grade. In fifth grade, um, we were required to memorize a portion of a poem that some of you are familiar with. And the poem written by Robert Frost is called The Road Less Traveled. Listen to the only part that I remember. One day, I will be telling it with a sigh that two roads diverged in the wood. And I, I took the road less traveled and it made all the difference. I took the road less traveled. Now listen, some of you are meeting me for the first time, but I'm not meeting you for the first time. It was not so many weeks ago when my phone rang and I was asked if I could come here. And and boy, I prayed about it for about a half a second. And God said, go. And so immediately I, I started praying for you. Immediately, I, I started checking out this guy right here. I, I wanted to know who the pastor was. And you know what I've learned over the years of this church? You came to a place. I don't know what it used to be. I don't know the birth of this church. But let me commend you on the fact that somewhere along the way, and I know who the deacons are too because of your website, okay? I love your website. I was able to, uh, I, wanted, I wanted to know who they were before I ever walked in the door. And so I know who the deacons, I don't know who is responsible, but somewhere along the way, you had a leader, a group of leaders, both men and women, who decided, hey, it's not going to be the easiest thing we do, and it's not going to be the least expensive thing we do, but I'm going to take, we are going to take as a church, the road less traveled. And because of that, you have what it takes to reach this world. Here's just a few things, and no joke, do I need to be through about... My watch says nearly 1 o'clock. What, uh, what time is it? Good grief. I don't need to look at my watch anymore. All right. Somewhere around there. Watch this. Here, here's, here's some requirements that I've learned. And, and, and put that word in your mind, okay? Requirements. These are not options. I, I see some dads. And boy, look at these little boys and girls that are sitting here listening. Respectfully listening. So to the children that are in here, thank you for your attention. Number one, the road less traveled. I believe the road that Paul took when he said, I'm willing to become all things to all men that I might by all 
means win some. Road less traveled, number one, will require, and I want these teenagers to listen real close, that you take risk. And you have, but I want you to listen to the whole point. Not only that you take risk, but you don't take chances. Let, let me define these two words, and I chose not to put anything on the screen. I, uh, because I do that every Sunday, and, and I wanted to engage with you, all right, more than you engaging with the screen. And I wanted our incredible tech team to be free and not worry about anything. And so, guys, ladies, thank you so much. The, the, the two words almost seem like the same thing, a risk and a chance. But let me define the two. A risk is a carefully calculated decision based on past experience. Let me give you an example of a risk. A risk is what I did four weeks ago. A risk is standing in front of a congregation that supports you and saying, I don't know what's going to happen next. I don't know what God's going to do. But this morning I submit to you my resignation. Do you know what? All of us, not just preachers, but every single person in this room, young and old, you need to learn to practice taking risks, not chances. Here's what a chance is. Let me define. Everybody got this one? Risk is a carefully calculated decision based on past experiences. Here's what a chance is. A chance is a foolish, a foolish, impulsive decision. Look, based on feelings. A chance is a foolish impulsive decision based on feelings how many of you don't raise your hand but but boy we got into this with the men just a little bit Friday night again this is not funny and this is very painful and it has ripple effects for generations but how many of you impulsively took a chance it felt right and you Ask someone to marry you. It felt right. It seemed right. And, and maybe, maybe you'd had a couple of drinks. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you were uh, watching the sunset. I don't know. But all the things just kind of lined up. And in your mind, you thought, there's no way this could be wrong. And so... You took a chance, and now you look back over your life, some one divorce, some multiple divorces. How many of us suffer through life because we live our life based on our feelings? Guys, and boy, I talked to our teenage boys Friday night, our feelings are liars. You cannot trust how you feel. You cannot use your common sense to figure out God. You have 
to learn to live by, everybody look, F-A-I-T-H. Apart from faith, it is impossible to please God. May I ask you something this morning? And again, unless I ask you to respond, I, I really want you to respond deeper than this. Anybody can do this, but I want you to respond here in your heart. What, sir, and if I point at you, I'm sorry. What, sir, are you attempting in your journey that requires faith? What are you attempting? What are you working? Where, where does faith come into your walk? I promise you, I've not spent much time with your pastor, but it didn't take long. He, he started telling me, about how you purchased land and about how you started giving. And this is just a, a, a real shallow, I guess, a shallow, so to speak, example. But by faith, you seized opportunities. And uh, there was no way to pay for this. And there was no way to pay for this. And, and there was no way to do this. There, there was no way to bring on this staff member. There, there was no way to do these things. But you came to the place in your life and, and you made a decision based on past experience. If we do things God's way, for God's purpose, He will supernaturally provide. When Pastor Scott was telling me the story, he almost, he almost lost word because there's no word. To describe when it's a God thing. God just did it. <laughs> Let me tell you a story. Because some of you are going to sleep. Why are y'all going to sleep? One day. Uh, one day there was this little fella. Alright. And, and this little fella's dad said. Your brothers have been on the front line for a long time. You need to carry them some nourishment. And so the dad made a couple of baskets and this little fella made his way down to the, to the valley. And when he got down to the valley, he could not believe what he heard. But when he got near the valley, it was almost like an echo. And what the echo was, was blasphemous. Well, what the echo heard, uh, he heard was slanderous. The echo that he heard was a giant named Goliath. And he looked over where his brothers were. And they were just like some of you. Beat down. Weary. Confused. Didn't know what to do. And everybody in this room almost know what little David did. Some people say he took a chance. I'm not wearing any armor. Some people say it was impulsive. I'll shut him up. It wasn't impulsive. It wasn't a chance. Look at me. Based on past experience. 
He remembered once while he was watching the sheep that a lion came out. And he remembered when the bear came out. And he remembered the supernatural power of God coming upon him. And here's what that little fellow did. He took a risk. And he went and he stood before that giant. And y'all look, because it'll happen to you one day. And it's already happened to many of you time and time again. The supernatural power of God came upon that little fella. And he brought the giant down. Again, y'all come huddle up real close. What are you attempting? How many of you are like I was four weeks ago? Your salary's okay. Your bank account's okay. You've been wise in management. And your retirement's okay. You got a home. I'm not saying that everybody... Look, no, no, no. I'm not saying that everybody pack up and just say, I don't know what I'm going to do. No, no, that that was for me. But I guarantee you, for you... It's time to decide if you're going to pass the ball or if you're going to keep doing the same boring, predictable thing. Number two, and I'm not going to get to all these. The road less traveled, we may do an A and a B second service, all right? What? The road less traveled will require, this one's going to sting. I ought to skip this one, but I'm not. That you be leaders, godly leaders. Men, don't take your eyes off of me. And ladies, if you think I'm just talking to the men, you're wrong. Because some of the greatest leaders in my life are women. The road less traveled requires that you be a godly leader and you retire. You resign as a manager uh, let, let me do the same thing that I did with the first sermon because first, first point because I think you uh, listen okay a uh, risk and a chance here is the definition of a leader a godly leader a godly leader the shortest definition you'll ever hear is someone who does the right thing godly leader Someone who does, and look at this, a manager is someone who does things right. Do you know what's killing most Alabama Baptist churches? What's killing most Alabama Baptist churches is we have mastered the ability to manage well. We have mastered the ability to fundraise. We, we have mastered the ability to entertain. We, we have mastered the ability to do church. And you know what the Holy Spirit has done? Look, look at me. And we don't even realize it. Look, the Holy Spirit has said, If you don't need me, I will excuse myself. Most now, now let's don't talk about church because some of you, you, this is the last time I'll lay eyes on you. 
this applies to you individually as well. God requires that every one of us decide, I'm going to be a leader. I, I keep pointing at him because he looks so much like my son. And I poured into him and I poured into my son. Every my Two boys, both of my boys, every single day, you're a leader. You're not a follower. You're a, you're a leader. And do you know what he's doing right now? He's pastoring a church in Pierre Park, Louisiana, the home of Troy, of the Swamp People. If you've ever watched Swamp People. He called me the other day. He was out front of the church, and he was, no, he was FaceTiming me. He was showing me a little cat. And, and he said, Daddy, look at that red truck right there. I said, he, he said, there goes Troy right there. I said, shoot him, shoot him. If you've never seen that show, you, you don't know what I'm talking about. One day, I'm watching that clock. Back it up a little bit, all right, because I'm not quite through. Look, one day, a brilliant manager named Nebuchadnezzar rose to power. He was brilliant. And he came up with a plan. Come up here, come up, you come up here just a second. And here's what the plan was. I ought to get you guys, but I don't have time. Here's what the plan was. I can't handle all of this. And so I will mold these young guys into little me's. I don't care what you say. That is brilliant leadership. I will mold these guys into little Nebuchadnezzars. I will give you a three-year training, college. I will give you a meal ticket. You can eat from my table. You can drink my wine. And at the end of the day, Nebuchadnezzar wanted him to look just like he did. And think just like he did. And so, he chose young, good-looking, brilliant men. Young men. And there was one. That said, wait a minute. I know what's going on here. God has not called me to be a manager. God has not called me to be a little Nebuchadnezzar. God has a call on me that's greater. And so, respectfully, I don't want to eat the king's food. And I don't want... I don't want his meal ticket. I don't want his college plan. I don't want his free stuff. Hey, look, I don't want any of that. Because God has called me to be a leader, not a manager. Now, come here. I dare not even hint at politics. I know that. I'm not smart enough. But I am smart enough to tell you this. We've got some brilliant Nebuchadnezzar-like leaders. And they're going to offer these guys a deal that is too good. Man, free? Free food? Free education? 
free clothes. Free. And here's what's crazy. We evoked. We, 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 we'll embrace that. But you look at me. Because there is a sinister plan in place. And that is to make them look like and think like the very ones that are feeding them the garbage. The road less traveled will require parents, this may be for you more than them, that you lead your family to realize that the cheapest, easiest way is not the right way to go. Well, I've got time for one more quick one, all right? And your fa- I see you looking at your wife. Your father-in-law taught me this. Is that one right? That one's fast. Well, good. Keep looking at your watch. Let me look. Yeah, good. Watch this. Your father-in-law taught me this. And some of you have. Because in this room, there's a lot of fishermen in this room. Not one of you have asked me to go fishing, by the way. But anyway, I'm just kidding. You have. Um, Bob, right? Bob was standing at the lodge with me and looking out the window at the river. And he said, there's some good fishing out there. And then listen to what he said. He says, as a matter of fact, right up the river there, and I I think I got this right, there's a tree. Anyway, he described a particular place. He said, I've been there many times. Look at me. That's a good place. Everybody look. All of you have those little honey hoes, don't you? All of you that fish or hunt. You know where the fish are. Come here. Huddle up. This is where our churches are blowing it. I mean, we are, we're blowing it. The road less traveled will require that your focus be, look at me, two things. People, not programs. I, I'm a part of the Southern Baptist Convention. I am. You are too. I, I was a state missionary for Alabama. I served in the evangelism office. I, I know the behind scenes of our great convention. I do. And I'm proud. We can give you a program for everything you need. Everything. We can sell you a program for everything you need. We might need to cut that part out, all right? But listen, li- listen then, listen. The problem is we're so, can I say stinking? We're so stinking programmed that we're working our program and all the people are out there. All the people are scattered out. Now they don't look like us. They don't smell like us. And I'm going to say this, all right? Because this is an Alabama thing. Church thing, Alabama church. They're they're tatted. They got rings everywhere you can put a ring. And so do you know what Alabama Baptists do? 
Something's up with them. Sorry, Roy. Oh, something's up with them. Listen, listen. We're about people. We're about people and going to where people are. There's a man watching right now on your live stream. His name is George Turnipseed. Do you know what George Turnipseed will do? And as a Baptist in Alabama, you dare not do this. He'll go to a bar. He don't drink. Do you know why he'll go to a bar and hang out? I don't recommend that if you have an addictive nature or you struggle, you don't go hang out there, all right? But George don't. He's addicted to Jesus and to winning people to Jesus. And old George would go to the bar because to George, the bar is like that tree is for Bob. You and I and the future of this church. Look at me. The future of this church. Are you going to stay where you are? Is this the new normal after COVID? Well, that's up to you. That's up to you. But I've encountered thousands of lost people since I've been here. And the road less traveled requires, it's not an option for the church, that you go get the people. One day, I will be telling it with a sigh. Two roads diverged in the wood. And I, I took the road less traveled. And it made all the difference. In a few years, hint, hint, maybe your pastor will ask me to come back. And I'm going to say, do y'all remember that Sunday that my church voted for a search committee? And I didn't have a clue what was next. One day I want to look you in the face and tell you that that decision made all the difference in the fourth quarter of my life. I know we're going to have an invitation, but this is so important. Of all that I've said, here's what Proverbs said. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the ends thereof are the ways of death. If you've never been born again, if all you are is good, religious, it seems right. Good religious people seem like they go to heaven, but the ends thereof are death. Marvel not that I say unto you, Jesus said, you must be born again. Let's pray. Amy, you come. We are going to sing.
more than anything else, is there anyone in this room that you don't feel a connection with God? You've never been saved. Your pastor is going to be standing here. And all you have to do is open up your heart and by faith, by faith, ask Jesus to come in. Now church, most of that message was for us, wasn't it? Most of that message was, where are we going to go post-COVID? I pray that you'll take risk. I pray that you'll be a leader. I pray that you'll go after the people. Because there's enough people that you ought to be having four services on Sunday morning instead of two. Let's all stand together. As God speaks to your heart, your pastor's here and you come. Shame. Who could carry that kind of weight? It was my tomb until I.